Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Jordan McPherson, and I'm joined by a special guest on this week's episode. He's a Miami native, a first-generation Cuban-American, a Christopher Columbus High graduate, a Marlins infielder prospect, and, as of just over a week ago, just the sixth athlete ever to win a medal at both the Summer and Winter Olympics. That's right. Eddie Alvarez, the starting second baseman for Team USA Baseball at the Tokyo Olympics, took some time out of his day Monday to talk with me as he was driving from Miami to Jacksonville to meet up with the Marlins AAA affiliate and resume his pro baseball career. We talked about his latest Olympic experience, the reception he received when he returned home from Tokyo, fatherhood, his hopes to make it back to the big leagues, and much, much more. Without further ado, here's Eddie Alvarez. Let's jump right into it. What's this first week been like since you got back? It's been pretty hectic, honestly. Um, but, like, in a great way, in such a loving, receiving way. Um, I haven't felt so loved and, and supported ever in my career as much as I have now. Um, you know, it took an army of people to get to where I am and, uh, just for the journey to be validated, uh, it's, you know, it feels amazing. And just getting ready to get back into the swing of things. Um, out driving up to Jacksonville uh, to meet the team to go on our two-week road trip. So uh, just trying to slow the moment down as much as I can. Uh, I can't believe that the Olympics are over already. Uh, I literally felt like I blinked and it was closing ceremonies already. So, uh, just gonna take my time, man. It's, it's tough. You know, guys or, or athletes in this situation, you know, I always hear them and when I talk to them about holding on to the moment, they say that, you know, one thing they wish they did more was, was enjoy it. So that's what I'm trying to do to the best of my ability is enjoy this moment. Yeah, and for a guy in your situation where, I mean, for most people with the Olympics, that's the moment every four years. It's They have that two-week span when they're out there, and more or less that's it. For you, you're still in, on the rise in your second career with baseball. Just how does that differ for you, this experience, compared to potentially some others? Yeah, it's a lot different uh, being a – you know, generic Olympic sport athlete. Uh, you know, I, I lived through that situation the exact same as most Olympic sport athletes are, are living in the situation now um, where, you know, when my speed skating days, it was all I, that's all we hoped for, wished for, and looked forward to was the Olympics every four years. Uh, you know, that's everything that we train for, everything we sacrifice for, uh, our time, our energy, our emotional emotions, our physical being, like everything we sacrifice so much for that moment. So I can relate to these athletes. It was a lot different now knowing that I still have something to look forward to, which is getting back up to the big leagues. Um, and I'm very grateful for that because – there's nothing worse than asking yourself what's next or just getting ready to 
have to grind through another quad, which is you know, another four years of training to get to your moment. Uh, so, you know, I'm grateful for being in a mainstream sport like I am with baseball. I'm grateful for the violence allowing me to relive my glory days in a sense. Uh, but yeah, man, it's 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 a tough gig being an Olympic athlete. Yeah, and let's backtrack a little bit. When they announced that baseball was going to be in the Olympics for this cycle, I think it was back in 2017 or so, any inkling in your mind that there, this might be a, a – you might get that second chance at that point? None whatsoever, to be honest. It was a complete surprise to get a phone call from the Marlins – uh, letting me know that Team USA Baseball had interest in selecting me. Um, and that's when it kind of started, like, toying in my mind that this could be a possibility. But I still needed to get the phone call. So I wasn't getting my hopes up. I was, like, concentrating on my on, on my playing in the alternative training site at the time. And, uh, you know, when I got that phone call from people, the CEO of Team USA um, asking me to to be a part of the America's Qualifier Team. Um, that was just a huge victory in itself. I mean, I, I didn't know if I was going to make the Olympic roster, but um, just to be a part of that journey to get to the Olympics and, you know, inevitably win a medal, even if I wasn't a part of the roster, like, Knowing that I had a uh, part in it, it, it was, I would have been so uh, content. I would have been so happy and pleased with the journey. Yeah, and from the Marlins side specifically, knowing, what was it like knowing that you had their support to be able to chase this and knowing that being able to go for the Olympics in lieu of potentially make, getting that call up, knowing that they had you had the support from the organization to go pursue this dream of yours. It was great. It was unbelievable having the Marlins support, but I didn't know the magnitude uh, of what it meant for me to go and represent the organization at the Olympics until I spoke with Kim uh, at Marlins at Lone Depot Park the other day. Um, you know, when she kind of told me that, you know, she was – so happy and, and honored and how, you know, basically um, grateful she was that I was representing our organization. I mean, that really hit me. So, uh, yeah, it, it was unbelievable knowing that I was a Marlin, uh, my hometown team during the Olympics. Um, but, it, man, I, I didn't know how big of a moment or representation that I had uh, to this organization at the Olympics until I spoke with you. Yeah, and now let's go into your time in Tokyo. You're one of the rare people who's had experience in multiple Olympics winter and summer. How was this experience, especially with COVID and all those other things swirling overhead, how did this experience just the Olympic Village, the day-to-day stuff, how did it differ this time around versus when you were in Sochi in 14? Yeah, so it was a little different, especially at the beginning. Um, because of protocols and everything, everything had to be a certain time. On, you had to follow a certain schedule. Testing was every day. Um, 
plastic screens around every seat. Uh, so they, you know, the Tokyo, the, the Japan, the volunteers, the, the whole Olympic committee, I mean, they did a fantastic job uh, of doing their part and accommodating us to the best of, you know, their ability. So, uh, but it was different. But then I noticed that there was a little bit of a change because once you were in the bubble, um, you know, as, as you saw, there really wasn't any cases after the first week or so. So, you know, things loosened up a little bit between the athletes. We were able to socialize in the right room a little bit more, obviously, keeping distance and wearing our face coverings and all that. But, you know, the, the spirit didn't die, which was something that I was really happy to see. Because if there's one thing that I just wanted to experience again was the Olympic spirit. And that, you know, just basically putting the best athletes in the world together, you know, you're accomplishing, everyone has a goal, everyone has a dream that, that they're accomplishing, and we're all at the peak of our athletic career in this one moment together. So, you know, there was celebrating, there was socializing, but at the beginning it was different. Yes, we saw that you got to meet Bam out of bio. I know that was a goal of yours. What was that? What was that experience like? Oh, amazing, man! So you know, I'm a big Heat fan. I follow the Heat every year, um, and you know, to be able to take a picture with you know, I was I was fangirling a little bit in a sense. Uh, I didn't realize how tall he was until I stood next to him, but uh, I got my picture. Um, you know, he's been uh, really cool, really supportive. He congratulated me uh, for being the flag bearer. Um, you know, he, he congratulated me after the, the medal, uh, winning the medal. I congratulated him for winning gold. Um, you know, that, that's a bond that we'll have between us, you know, representing uh, the same city. And, you know, you know, the fact that he plays for one of my all-time favorite teams from Tim Hardaway days, you know, it's it's pretty epic. Yeah, you mentioned the fly bear. We talked about this a few times, but, again, just reflecting on what that meant for you as a Miami, a first-generation Cuban-American, to be one of those people to lead the United States into one of the biggest sporting events in, in the world. Yeah, it's, you know, it's huge for my culture, it's huge for my family, it's huge for the people that have sacrificed as much as my family has. Um, I, I always say that I'm a small representation of what, you know, this country offers, the freedom and liberty that it offers, and opportunity. You know, my grandparents and my parents came over from Cuba uh, with nothing to their name and, and just for a chance at freedom and opportunity. So, you know, uh, we've got, we've come a long way. Uh, because of them, I've been able to pursue what I've wanted to pursue. I've been able to accomplish, you know, goals that I've set for myself where in countries like Cuba, you just don't get those opportunities. So to be able to lead Team USA, the United States of America holds old glory, uh, I know, a symbol of liberty to many around the world, not just the United States. It's, 
it's a symbol of liberty uh, to many. So the fact that I was able to, you know, be that guy in that moment, uh, you know, I, I, I know it's made a huge impact because I've got nothing but unbelievable feedback and positive energy and comments and you name it uh, from everyone around me. It's been, a, it's been amazing. And what was it like doing it with Sue Bird? Oh, it was great. I mean, I, I don't think I would have it any other way. Uh, in a sense, we were able to kind of bounce off the pressure, bounce off each other, the pressure of actually what being the flag bearer is. Um, you know, I didn't realize how much uh, kind of pressure you feel, you know, and, and responsibility you feel uh, leading Team USA into the Olympics because you kind of have that title stamped on you, stamped on you. And the fact that I got to share that moment with someone as successful in, in, in a career that, you know, kids only dream about, uh, as, like Sue, it's been unbelievable. She was so poised. She was so respectful. She wanted to know my story. I wanted to know hers. Uh, but I'm so happy and, and glad that we got to make history together, you know, the first co Bears, so flag bears, coat black bears. Uh, I'm just glad it was her. Yeah, and now to go to the baseball side. Um, how were you able to scout teams if you were able to scout them at all? I know that had to have been difficult, with especially with a lot of the with it being a lot of either people who aren't in bigger leagues or main MLB guys not being there. How were you able to? get scouting reports on, on people before getting into the games? Uh, so basically it was just watching the games that they're playing. Um, it, there wasn't much scouting going on before. There was a lot of uh, information passed in the dugout. So as soon as one guy, you know, I was hitting in the top of the order. So as soon as my at-bat ended and I was able to relay information immediately, um, you know, it was, I try to give as much detail uh, about the picture as I can. So that was, uh, that was basically what our scouting reports were. Uh, we did see, like, our, our hitting coach, Ernie Young, was, was doing a lot of homework on pictures. He was watching every game. He was trying to YouTube videos of certain guys. Um, so, you know, it's, it's tough. That, that it's a tough situation to go into because, you know, you don't have video uh, like we're used to here in the States. We're used to having the scout report. We're used to having, you know, their last 10 starts, their last 10 outings uh, on, on a loop. So, you know, it, it makes the at bat a little bit more comfortable versus, you know, basically getting in there and wondering what the heck his fastball does, slider, curveball, whatever pitches he has, you know, what, what their actions are. Yeah. <laughs> so it's straight into battle mode, you know? Yeah, so basically yeah. Felt, like, felt like old school baseball there, the, going back in the day where, again, not relying on stack cast, not relying on track man, just go out there and your ability versus his ability, basically, right? Basically, yeah. I mean, and, and the speed of the game dictates a lot of your bat. Uh, and that's the beautiful thing about why I think one of the reasons why I was selected to be a part of this team 
or at least this was one of the reasons that was explained to me was because you know I, I'm not the I'm not the guy that will give you the big swing uh, at all times. You know the 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 make it or break it type swing. Uh, you know I'm the guy to move over to bunt the guy over to get a sack fly, get the ball on the ground with the runner on third and field back, um, and you know that it's basically when you get into these situations, it's straight into battle mode. You don't know what their actions are. You don't know the guy on the mount at all, really. So, you know, it's really knowing your zone and picking your pitches and, you know, doing your job. Yeah, and as the games progressed, I remember seeing you on the sideline when you guys advanced to the gold medal game, knowing that you were meddling either way. What was going through your head when you guys, when you won that semifinal match? share a moment with a guy like that again you guys two Miami guys who were down here the whole time what was it like to share yeah. this moment with him especially when you were out there in Tokyo and fans weren't there family wasn't there to have a lifelong guy like Nick down out there with you while you were able to do this oh man it felt like having uh, my, my brother there you know it's like his family He's always been family. You you will always be family. Um, I love his his side of his family. I love you know they they've always loved me and uh, you know accepted me and taken me in and you know it's to have someone like that to share a moment like that. You know uh, I used to train with him after my 2014 Olympics. And I was getting back into baseball. We, we were training partners for a short period of time. Not a short period of time, a couple of years. Um, and, you know, we always talk about the Olympics and the experience. And he didn't realize what it really was until he was there in that moment with me. 
And he goes, dude, everything that you said is so true. And you can't really describe what it is like, but like until you experience it. So the fact that I got to share that moment with him is something special. It's going to bond us for life. I mean, we're, we're already bonded for life. We grew up in the same area code. We grew up playing with and against each other our whole lives. Uh, but this just, you know, this, this makes a special, special memory for us. Yeah. And last part on the Olympic front. Uh, Japan, the only team you guys couldn't get by, either in the first round of the knockouts and then the gold medal game. What was it about them that made them, that, that got them one step ahead of you guys? Uh, it was their day, Jordan. That's uh, the best way I can say it. Um, it wasn't that they were out, they didn't outmatch us. We had that first game in our hands and, you know, they just, Came up with some clutch hits and, you know, our pitchers put some runners on, which is part of the game. And, you know, I, I honestly feel like if it was a series, it would have been a different ball game. But it's bigger, you know, it's all or nothing. It's, uh, all in type games. And you know how this, you know how a course of a game can change in a blink of an eye and, you know, that, it just so happens that those were their days. You know, everything that we hit hard was right at someone. Their pitching was executing extremely good pitch, uh, pitches. Uh, you know, we put good at bats together. We put runners in smart positions. We just couldn't find, you know, that, that big hit, that big knock. So I wouldn't say that we were outmatched. I wouldn't say that we couldn't get by them. It's just it's part of this game, especially when it's, a game of a certain magnitude of that level, of that caliber. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now to shift over from Eddie the Olympian to Eddie the Dad, what has this last year been like on on that front? Being a dad is the best thing in the in the world, man. Uh, I I you know that the, every a lot of this sacrifice and a lot of this uh, I guess uh, journey has been you know I've always. It always felt like it was for me, for personal satisfaction, for more personal accomplishments. And then I had a son, and it's changed my perspective completely, a complete 180. Uh, everything I do is for him. Uh, he's brought so much joy into my life. He's brought so much joy into my athletic career, um, you know, it encourages me. It motivates me, uh, knowing that, you know, one day he's going to look back. He's going to ask me questions and I'm going to be able to relay stories and he's going to be able to look 
online and, and find articles about me. And, um, you know, I, I just want to be a, a certain stepping stone for him and whatever career he takes and, and pursues. Uh, but I, I want him to learn and know that I did everything with passion and I want to relay that message to him. So he's my encouragement every day and I'm so blessed to be able to have a wife and a son, uh, like what God has blessed me with. Yeah. What was, how tough was it being in a different country from him over these last, those last couple of weeks, especially again, 2014, you were able to have family there. You weren't able to have right. them there this time around. Just how tough was that part of it when you were out there in Tokyo? Uh, it was, so it was tough. It, it really was knowing that, you know, my wife's dream was always to go to Japan and she wasn't able to go. Um, you know, my parents are Olympic enthusiasts. They would they'd probably still be over there right now if they had their choice. Because uh, it was hard for them to leave Sochi. They, they just love the Olympic movement. Um, at the same time, it was... I think a little bit of blessing in disguise just because of the amount of noise that there was over there. And uh, for me, being the flag bearer, being the two-time Splinter uh, Summer Olympian, uh, it just kind of slowed things down for me. So I really got to enjoy the moment. I wasn't getting pulled in you know, a million different directions. Uh, and having them there, you know, I would want to go out and explore the city. I would want to do this. I would want to do that. I'd want to hang out with them with our schedule of training, you know, our recovery, uh, our sleep schedule, everything, you know. So, you know, I, it was tough. At the same time, I think it kind of was a little bit of uh, an advantage not having my family there in a sense because it just – it, it kept my feet on the ground. I would have been on way to uh, on cloud nine if they were there. Gotcha. You mentioned the time in the ski schedule. Japan was 13 hours different from the from Eastern Time Zone. Are you still jet lagged right now? Yes, still jet lagged. Uh, I've always been the guy because I traveled around the world. Uh, in my skating days, I've traveled around the world and I've had to do this whole adjustment to, to times, uh, a lot. And I've always been the guy to really struggle when I get back. Uh, my body just for some reason takes a lot, a longer period of time to adjust to the time. So, uh, we're doing our best. I still, I'm still waking up at three, four in the morning, wanting to get up and start my day, but I'm forcing myself to sleep, which is, which is good. But yeah, jet lag is a real thing, man. Definitely. And now to wrap this up with you in route to Jacksonville, um, just how much are you itching for that second taste of the big league, especially after you make your debut, a small sample size last year? No fans last year. How much are you itching for that full MLB experience now? Uh, it's 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 what I it's my next goal. 
Uh, I enjoyed this moment with the Olympics. I enjoyed, you know, becoming the sixth person ever to medal in both, uh, both Olympics. Um, and I, but I know that there's one goal right now, and that's to get back to the big leagues and stay there. Uh, last year was really tough. Uh, it was a learning experience for me. I didn't quite understand what the, the, or didn't understand the type of toll it, 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 uh, it takes, uh, on a, on a baseball player that goes up and down and moves around the way I was last year. Um, so I know what to expect now. I've been preparation for this moment. I think the time is, has come. I think the time is now. I think I'm more ready than ever. So to get back out there right now is priority number one. Yeah, uh, when you talked with Kim at Lone Depot Park when you were being recognized, did she mention anything about a potential path for you to get up here this year? Um, it was just more just to stay ready. Um, I don't, I don't think in her position it would ever be a, a, a smart idea to ever pro- make any promises or, or of that sort. Um, so, you know, my job is to stay ready. She she made that clear to stay ready. So you know that's what I'm going to do every day, take the day at a time until you know my time comes. Definitely. And you've had you were in AAA before doing everything with the Olympic qualifiers and the games themselves. Um, just want to get your thoughts on a couple of the guys who are up there and have been either in the big leagues or close to getting there. Primarily, uh, first off, Jesus Sanchez and Lewin Diaz. What have you seen from the two of them during your time with them? Unbelievable growth. Uh, maturity uh, compared to what I experienced with them last year. Um, I had the pleasure of playing with them both in the big leagues last year. I think I may have missed Jesus, but still, I, you know, between alternative training side and the big leagues and spring training, you know, you get to see how these young guys develop and I mean, you immediately saw it from spring training this past, this past spring training. Uh, and then obviously into our third trip night. And then obviously into the beginning of, of the AAA season. Uh, I got to hit at the beginning of the year in between them. Um, which is, you know, it kind of pushes me because <laughs> I, I gotta basically keep up with them. So, uh, their bats have gotten uh, so much better and, and more consistent. Um, and, you know, they're just, you know, they're ready. I think, personally, they're ready to start getting some some true experience in the big leagues because um, I think they are playing above the level of AAA at the moment. And are there any other guys there under the radar, maybe not the top top 30 prospect guys that have caught your eye from that time you were with them? Man, honestly, the one guy that's really surprising, I mean, my team, I mean, I absolutely love my team in Jacksonville. I mean, the the group of guys between the big leagues and AAA is just, you know, the Marlins have done an incredible job of meshing these guys together. One guy really stood out to me 
uh, prior um, uh, to leading to the qualifier and the Olympics, and that's Bryce Brinkman, who's an infielder right now at AAA. And, um, you know, when I first got traded over to the Marlins in 2019, I got to play with him a, a little bit before I injured myself and got called up to AAA. And he was in, he was like in between double A and high A. And, you know, just seemed like a lot of talent, young guy, but he's really taken on a, a huge role for the, for the Jumbo Shrimp. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's been majority of the time the leadoffs nowadays on that team. And he's really surprised me and has really shown me that he belongs in AAA and the big leagues. I mean, that kid's probably going to get a chance very, very soon. Definitely. And before I let you go, last question. After your time with the Olympics, you're, I mean, we rattle off everything. Uh, Miami guy, first-generation Cuban-American, Marlins prospect, two-time Olympic medalist. When people ask you for advice or any sort of positive message, what's your message to the to the general fan, to the person who's looking up to you? What's your message to them? Just keep going. That's, I mean, that's the biggest one for me. I've, uh, I've always had my back against the wall. I've been told no more than I've been told yes. Um, I've exceeded all expectations just because I've kept going. Uh, I've battled through injury. I've lost all sorts of races, been overlooked by all sorts of colleges, wasn't even a thought in any scout's mind to be drafted. Um, you know, I honestly believe that I got an opportunity with the White Sox because of the story. Uh, and I've basically had to play my ways to get to the big leagues. And I obviously, which ended up being that I was selected to be a part of the Olympic team. But, you know, I'm, I'm no physical specimen. Um, but I had grits. I had the will to just keep going. Uh, it's opened an unbelievable, um, an unbelievable amount of doors for me. I've basically created opportunities through hard work. And if there's one kid that I can change the life just by hearing this message, it's honestly just keep going. When things get hard, when things get tough, just keep pushing through those walls. Eddie, thank you so much for the time. Congrats again on everything. Best of luck in Jacksonville. Looking forward to seeing what you do next, man. Thanks. Once again, we thank Eddie for taking the time to talk with us, and we will be keeping up with his performance in the minor leagues as the final month and a half of this season unfolds. Before we go, just a few quick updates from the last week with the big league club especially with the Marlins coming off or rattling off four consecutive wins, one against the San Diego Padres cap off a road trip and then sweeping the Chicago Cubs at Lone Depot Park. First, 
Uh, Marlins manager Don Mattingly returned to the dugout Friday after missing 12 games due to a positive COVID-19 test on July 31st. He was in good spirits. He said he experienced mild symptoms but was starting to feel better. After about two or three days of staying at home, he continued to be cautious, especially since he was staying at home with both his wife and his youngest son, Louie. But he feels good. He feels great. He's glad to be back in the dugout and be back on the field and with the guys in person instead of just watching from a distance. Secondly, been a good amount of hot streaks for some Marlins hitters. Uh, some numbers heading into their three-game series against the Braves. Lewis Brinson, since getting called up on July 19th, is hitting 338 with 20 RBI, 15 runs scored, and 13 extra base hits over 23 games, which includes 19 starts. Uh, Jorge Alfaro, since making his debut in left field on August 3rd, is hitting 308 with six doubles. Rookie Brian De La Cruz, acquired from the Houston Astros in the Yimmy Garcia trade just before the deadline, is hitting 298 through his first 16 games. He has two doubles, two home runs, including a grand slam in that big 11-run inning on Friday when the Marlins beat the Cubs. And Miguel Rojas, he's he's kind of gone under the radar among this group, but he has a hit in 13 of his last 16 games, and in that 16-game stretch, he's hitting 317, five doubles, and has 14 runs scored. And finally... For what feels like the first time all season, it looks like the Marlins actually have a full starting rotation. Eliezer Hernandez returned from his second 60-day IL stand of the season on Sunday, and he went five in the third innings through just over 80 pitches, held the Cubs to just one run. And with that, he joined uh, Sandy Alcantara, Zach Thompson, Braxton Garrett, and Jesus Lazardo in the current form of the Marlins' five-man rotation. Uh, they're hoping to get some more reinforcements over the next couple weeks. Pablo Lopez is still working his way back from a rotator cuff strain. He's thrown three bullpen sessions. The goal should be live hitters at some point this week. And then I would imagine a rehab assignment will be coming after that. The Marlins are hoping that he'll be back by the end of the month, which will give him hopefully four to five starts to close out the season. Uh, Trevor Rogers, their all-star, a rookie of the year front runner. He was first on the family medical emergency list and now has been on the bereavement list. That's been for about the past two weeks. Hope everything is okay with the Rogers family. And we know that Trevor will be back once he's done dealing with what he needs to deal with personally. And then Edward Cabrera continues to impress in AAA. But with the numbers that the Marlins currently have, it's very likely that he won't be up until... Uh, the rosters are able to expand up to 28 players next month, but it's still always a possibility that he can come up depending on how things unfold. And with that, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Fish Bites. Once again, I'm Jordan McPherson. Thank you for the time, and we will be back again next week.